0: Hello and welcome to the Art of Communication podcast with me, Robin Kermode. Have you ever wished you could become a confident speaker or presenter? Then why not join my online masterclass, Speak So Your Audience Will Listen. In 10 easy-to-follow modules, you can become a confident and authentic speaker. For more information, visit robinkermode.com.
1: Hello, this is Sian Hansen and welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. I'm here with Robin Kermode. Hello. And this is Wedding Speeches. Now, what are we going to be talking about?
0: We're going to look at best man speeches and maid of honour speeches.
1: And do you see those as the focal point in in a wedding or are there other speeches that are also focal points?
0: Well, we want some of the emotional speeches, of course, like the parents, maybe father of the bride, these kind of speeches. But the focal point traditionally has been the sense of expectation around the entertainment value of a maid of honour speech or best man speech.
1: And have you ever been a best man?
0: I have. I was very young, I was 24, and I was unbelievably nervous at the prospect of doing it, because I felt this pressure to entertain. Who was it for? It was for a great friend of mine I was at college with, and in the end, actually, I loved it. And the weird thing was, somebody videoed it, and I watched it back, and I didn't look nearly as nervous as I felt.
1: And why were you so nervous? Because you were quite confident at that age.
0: Well, I was doing quite well. I was an actor on television. I was doing a sitcom on television at the time. And I would have thought I should have been fine. But of course, I was confident as a character in a play or in a TV series. But this is you being yourself. So you stand up there as yourself trying to be the entertainment. And that's more vulnerable, I think.
1: More pressure, You feel more pressure. So I think the first big question for me anyway, I've never been a maid of honour, but I can just imagine it. I would sit down and I would try and work out what's the purpose of my speech, What is the purpose of a best man or maid of honour speech? Is it To be funny? Or has it got a deeper purpose? Why do these speeches exist anyway?
0: Hmm. Well, traditionally, the maid of honor speech has been the toast to her friend who's getting married and then a toast to the couple. And the best man speech has traditionally been the entertainment, often laughing at the best man. But I think it slightly misses the point because a wedding clearly is hopefully an event of love where two people come together. And half the people in the party know their friend who's getting married, but the other half don't necessarily know them that well. need to be introduced by either the maid of honour or the best man oh is that the role well I think there's part of that role is there so if I was the best man now I would stand up and say for all of the other side who don't know my friend relax you know she's married or he's married a really nice guy this guy's a top man really good fun and he's loyal he's kind he's whatever and actually relax not totally perfect and then I might have a few stories about him but my role basically is to big up the person that my friend who's getting married to the other side of the people who don't know him
1: so thinking about the content of the speech, thinking about how you prep for it, I imagine the first thing you go for is to find some jokes. Is that right?
0: That's what you'd think. and that Most people do that. Most people open up Google, other search engines are oh, available, yeah. and they will do, you know, best man speeches or maid of honour jokes, these kind of things. The trouble is, if you get a joke off the internet, unless you're a really good comedian, it's going to feel like a joke that's plastered on top. But if we find stories about the couple that are amusing or incidents around them, the genuine real events around them then of course it's going to feel less stuck on top so I think that jokes in themselves often don't work because they're not relevant to the couple everything should be about the couple
1: no that makes a lot of sense now that you say it out loud but what should you do if you're searching and you have a funny bone and you feel like you could deliver a joke or a humorous story? What kind of stories should you be searching for? Should you look for a funny story about when they were seven and they dressed up for a birthday party in a certain way? How do you make it age appropriate? How do you search for the funny in someone's life? Really, genuinely, what does funny look like?
0: Well, it depends on your personality. I personally would encourage people to tell stories that are endearing about them. We're all human and we all have human foibles, you know. So if you have a story that shows that they're human, then it's a nice side of it. But if you tell a story where somebody looks foolish or stupid, that's not a kind story to tell. So I would have kind stories that are human and then we can all relate to that person as a result of it.
1: And do you go to, let's say, their siblings or their parents or their godparents, you know, do a bit of research and say, tell me some stories that you might have about them? Or do you think it just comes from your experience of the person? Well,
0: I think research is a good idea because maybe... Maybe you didn't know them at the age of seven, but if you can discover that actually at the age of seven what they really wanted to do was to be a scoutmaster or what they really wanted to be was a pig farmer or something. In fact, my younger brother, when he was age seven, we said to him, what do you want to be? And he said, I want to be a traffic warden. And we all said, why do you want to be a traffic warden? You won't have any friends. He said, yes, I will, all the other traffic wardens. Now, that's the kind of story, story that, that I would tell. Wedding. You would tell yeah. somebody, <laughs> yeah.
1: So you can do a bit of research and you can ask the people around your friend for their own stories about them. And you can begin to create this humorous, loving speech. Tell me, do you ever use any quotes?
0: Well, quotes from the couple, yes, because it's relevant to the couple. Maybe a quote about what the headmaster or the headmistress said about the person, that might be relevant, because it's a relevant quote. But just a quote... Always annoys me when somebody stands up and says, as Winston Churchill said, or as Mrs. Gandhi said, you know, I just think, well, yeah, that's fine, but what do you say? You know, and why is that an earth relevant to this wedding? So I'm not a great fan of quotes, particularly in family events, unless they're absolutely relevant.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But of course, it's very hard to get a quote for your best man or your best woman speech because you have to rely on something they've actually written down.
0: But unless they're known for saying something, so maybe they have a particular phrase they often say. Ah, they have
1: a catchphrase. All their friends know what their catchphrase is. They know the catchphrase, yes.
0: So then, of course, everybody joins in. They said, of course, under this situation, she would probably have said that. And they go, yes, she would. And then everybody in the know begins (laughs) to laugh. Exactly. I
1: can see that. And is there such thing as an age-appropriate speech? Because At a wedding, you've got 90-year-olds and six-year-olds. And this goes back to what you've always talked about is know your audience. So tell us how to make a wedding speech, a best man, a maid of honor speech, age relevant.
0: Well, be kind. Just be kind. Because is that it, works across all... It works everything. I mean, the idea of having jokes that would offend your grandmother, why would you do that at a family event? It's just not appropriate. That's a stag night joke if you want to do that, oh, or a hen yes. party joke if you want to do that. Yeah. So whether you're having, maybe in the States, you're having a Thanksgiving party or a Christmas party or whatever it is, and you get all the family together, you're aware, you see people of all ages, so you can monitor what you're going to say. The trouble is people write these speeches on their own, and then they turn up and they think, wouldn't my friends find that funny? So when you stand up there and you look out and you think, this isn't appropriate for these people here.
1: But you're going to do it anyway. But you're because going to do it anyway. You've got nothing else to do.
0: So you almost want to stick as you're writing your speech. You want to stick a little picture of your niece and nephew and your grandmother there, and think, okay, would this work for these people? You know, yeah,
1: that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah.
0: Instead of doing it in the mirror, do it to those pictures.
1: Yeah. Write write your speech when you've got all the family album out in front of you. Exactly. Um, can I tell you? I must tell you the worst experience I ever had at a wedding. I was mm. just in the audience, but clearly, what the best man had done as taken some just some fake keys and handed them out to the ladies in the audience, maybe 10 ladies. And he I set this whole thing up, say, he no. set this whole thing up, he did, and no. he stood up, and halfway through his speech he said, oh. and now it's time for all the ex-girlfriends to give back yeah. the keys to the flat.
0: No, I know. And, <laughs> just and everybody,
1: everybody looked mortified. It was a complete disaster. So listeners, please don't do that. It was a disaster.
0: You'd see the thought process of the person coming out yeah. with that. Wouldn't it be funny if? Yeah. Well, the answer is... No, because this is a day about the couple, not about the past. Yes, it's
1: not about the past, yeah. Well, it's certainly not about that particular part of their past. But it does make me think about props. Mm. So the best man had come along with some props for that particular gag, which went horribly wrong. But what do you think about props? Are props a good idea? Well,
0: props can be good. Somebody could take out a school report and say, this is what the teacher said about this person when they were young. Now, that might be appropriate if the person is now... I don't know, an accountant, say for example, and they said this person will never even get GCSE maths, mm-hmm. and now they're an accountant. Then it's funny because of the context, we know what's gone on later. The problem with the prop is that if you rely on it and you change your jacket at the last minute to a handbag or whatever, and you forget to bring it. It's a disaster. I went to a wedding once where somebody turned up because they thought it was funny with a massive great double bass case and they had a whole gag around this double bass case. I'm not sure that it was worth carrying that around all day long and bringing it down on the train and everything for the one gag. If they're small props, it's great, but make sure you have it with you.
1: I imagine props give you some comfort because you have something to focus on in your speech. But like you say, it could probably be just a glass with some wine in it. You could hold it up when you want to emphasise a point, I imagine. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't actually have to be a thing from the past, does it?
0: No, it could be maybe something you're wearing. It could say the tie that I'm wearing today was actually from... Oh. Some particular story. Oh,
1: that's a really good idea. Yeah. You know, an old school tie or that was something that we yeah. bought together or exactly. I wore this on my wedding day when he was my best man. or Exactly, whatever. this kind no, of thing I, yeah. or
0: cufflinks or scarf or whatever it might be. Yeah,
1: Yeah. no, I can see that. So I think, I might be wrong, but maid of honour speeches and best man speeches take place after you've had something to eat or <laughs> or drink. <laughs> yes. Now, what would you say to those people? Can they have a drink beforehand or what do you do?
0: Well, traditionally, in most speeches, I would say don't drink before you speak. When I was a young actor, a lot of actors would say, well, I'm so much better if I've had a glass of wine. Well, the answer is you think you're so much better, but you might not actually be better. (laughs) I would say have half a glass of champagne or something at a wedding just to get into the spirit of it. But I would drink afterwards as a treat, reward. So
1: we're getting to the end of the speech. Now, I have also seen this where the best man or maid of honour says... (laughs) And now, because that's what's written on their cards, and now please raise your glass to toast and they don't have a glass. And they're searching around and somebody at the last minute sort of shoves one in their hand. So you kind of have to set that up, don't you? You have to have it on the floor next to you or what do you do? Hold it. No, because then you'll have your speech in one hand, the glass in the other. Yes. Where I, do you put it?
0: Well, this is the other problem: is is what do you do with your notes as well? We'll come on to notes in a second. But yeah. the thing about glasses, it's not just you with the glass in the maid of honor and, or the best man. It's actually has everybody else got glasses? Because that's the other situation. Because you all raise our glasses, and you think actually <laughs> no, everybody's got empty glasses. Right. So just make sure before you start that the room is filled with glasses. Good. Point. So check with the catering staff that actually that's happened.
1: And make the, sure you have one. And
0: make sure you have one. That's a kind of prep for yourself. Yeah.
1: yeah. So tell us about the notes. So do you have them on little cards? Do you well, have them on an iPhone?
0: I, it's interesting you say that because I was working with a guy once on his best man speech and we'd written this really good speech together. And it was absolutely fantastic. And halfway through his battery died. And he was completely lost because he was reliant on it. And also because it was dark, he said, well, I'm going to use the uh, mobile because it's backlit. And I know it's going to be an evening wedding with candlelight. And he thought, at least I can read the speech now because it's backlit. But of course, once that died, he didn't have any way of knowing what his notes were. And he had to make it up from memory, essentially, from what he'd planned to say. But similarly, I've worked with people where they've had their notes. And again, through candlelight or whatever, they can't actually see them because it's too dark.
1: Oh, and then they probably bring out their phone... To light up the card. Then the bone runs out. Of it. So
0: I think there's a lot of stuff around it. Also, I would say, by the way, in terms of notes, if you're going to have notes, the reason people have cards instead of full sheets of A4 is that sheets of A4 tend to wobble like that and they make a lot of noise and you can see the nerves if there are any nerves cards tend not to shake so much because they're a quarter the size of an a4 and if you're going to have cards hold them about navel height so just above your belt line and if you keep them there and you look up constantly as you're talking people don't really notice the notes but what people tend to do is they lift the notes up and down and wave them around all the time and it becomes about the notes so if you're going to have the notes hold them still around navel height
1: oh right oh no that's a good tip because they would be sort of waving them by pointing to the bride and Groom using the notes. (laughs) Yes. And actually, because
0: they're normally white paper, it actually picks up the light and it's quite distracting, this piece of paper moving about. So keep it really still. And after a while, people forget you have the notes. Right.
1: So tell us just finally a little bit more about the audience. It's a joyous occasion, everybody's happy. They might have had a drink or two. It's been a long day so far because they've been to the wedding. They've sat through some other speeches. So is there anything we should know about the audience and how willing they are?
0: Well, you raise a very good point because it is probably the most receptive audience you'll ever have in your life. The kindest audience you will ever have in your life because most people who go to a wedding want it to be successful for the couple. So even if the best man speech is not great, most people will try to laugh. I mean, you don't even have to be very good at comedy, but people will really laugh. If you and even halfway there with a joke they'll laugh and that's great for a best man that's what I found when I was young is that actually I gave what I thought was an okay speech and I got tremendous response I think people were being far too kind but it was very nice of them but there's a sense of the audience are really on your side and they want it to go well nobody's sitting there thinking right come on you have to be amazing they're just saying make it a lovely day for the couple and we'll cheer
1: well, I think that's a great place to end. We've learned a lot, particularly about how to weave your way through what can be quite a nerve-wracking experience, but it's going to be in front of an audience that's willing you passionately to be the best you've ever been. Robin, thank you very much. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me.
0: Have you ever wished you could become a confident speaker or presenter? Then why not join my online masterclass, Speak So Your Audience Will Listen. In 10 easy-to-follow modules, you can become a confident and authentic speaker. For more information, visit robinkermer.com.